inviting us. He is always inviting us into the work that he's doing, into life in his, in his kingdom, into life in the spirit. He's always inviting us to move from where we are to the next step, that we're all in process, that we're all growing. And because of that, there's never a time when Jesus isn't saying, hey, listen, I want you to take a fresh step here. I want you to do something different here. Because as much as we've grown, there's still so much more to learn. Just like a building needs a strong foundation to stand the test of time, you need solid footing to make it through the storms and stresses of life. Today, Pastor Daniel shares that the mission and vision of Crossroads will help you develop that unshakable framework. You'll be reminded that God is constantly inviting you into what He's doing. And when you simply respond to Jesus, you'll find that there's always more to learn and new ways to grow. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 7 as he begins his message, Our Foundation. So this past summer at my house, it was kind of a crazy summer. I mean, it was, all of our summers were probably crazy given all that was going on. But at our house, in our backyard, there had been these trees, since we owned that, that, the house, there had been these trees that were about 150 feet tall. They were huge trees. And every fall, of course, I would, I would kind of grumble about the trees because they dropped so many leaves. It's like, it would just take forever to be able to kind of clean up these leaves. But sure enough, during the summertime, uh, my bride, Lynn, she was just uh, up the block a little bit. We were kind of talking with some of our neighbors. And, and then all of a sudden, Lynn just heard this horrible creaking sound and there was a huge crash and it sounded like it came from our house and Lynn you know kind of sprinted back to our house and in our backyard one of these huge 150 foot trees had just kind of gotten rid of uh, a huge branch and we heard it kind of you know crack you know creaking and then breaking off and just hitting the ground and right away you know as parents we were we were very very nervous obviously we have little kids and we have their neighbor kids and and the last thing we want is these huge trees to be dropping these enormous branches and so sure enough when that happened I was like man we got to have someone come out and look at these trees and and so sure enough we brought a buddy of ours out who who has a, a, a tree business and he looked at the trees and he's like oh yeah these trees need to come down. I mean, some of the trees, they were here, they were starting to lean. One of the trees was leaning towards one of my neighbor's houses. And I'm like, this is no good. And, and, and it was amazing because, you know, he brought his crew out and, and, and there was these literally five enormous trees and they were there forever. And it was amazing as they're cutting these trees down, as they started to fell these trees, one of the trees, the one that had lost the big, that big branch, when they finally got the tree down, they, they showed us that the trunk of the tree literally was, had been rotted out. About 70% of the inside had been rotted out. And I said, oh, this is not good. And he's like, no, no, Daniel, this was really not good. He's like, because the problem is, he's like, this tree, if it's going to go down, its roots are so deep and so thick that if you get, if we get one of those windy days, this thing will just actually break in the middle of the tree. And because of the way it would break because of the wind, it's not like the roots would slowly go over. This thing would just kind of crack in the middle and you have no control over which way it's gonna go. And I remember just being like, man, I couldn't believe it. And so, but then once we got all the trees down, that was a pretty big job. But then 
they had to do all the stump grinding. And that was when things really got interesting because they brought in these huge machines and they were, and as they were grinding these stumps, like, man, these stumps are huge. I mean, it was like days and days and days of these guys grinding these huge stumps. And, and I remember I was talking to these guys again, and I was just learning about all these things I didn't know about. I was just happy that no one's going to get hurt. The tree wasn't going to fall on a kid or a house or anything like that. But I remember they're like, man, in order to support these 150-foot trees, these roots are thick. I mean, this stump is way down there. And they were going pretty down deep, you know, but they're like, yeah, we couldn't even begin to get all of this stump out of there. We'll just get it below your kind of your, your lawn line, so to speak. And it really got me thinking about that idea of in order to support something that is huge, you have to have deep roots. And I remember when I was growing up outside of New York City and I grew up in New Jersey, but we'd go to New York and, and even now, if you, you know, if you live locally to us here, if you're going to Portland or go to Seattle and they're doing some building, in order to do, build a skyscraper, you need a really deep foundation, don't you? I mean, if you're building a house, you know, your house at your, at your home, maybe it's two stories, maybe three stories if you're, you know, you really got something crazy. But, you know, the foundation isn't that deep, but if you want to build a skyscraper, you need a huge foundation, and really when we're talking, we're, we're, we're talking about this year being a year of restoration and we have this picture of the fixer-upper, right? If you're going to fix up a house, the first thing you need to do is make sure that the foundation is strong, right? And if the foundation is strong and if the foundation is substantial enough to support what you want to do, then you can build and, and you can bring beauty in areas that you never saw before. But without a strong foundation, it is impossible. Whatever you build will never really last. And of course, Jesus speaks about this himself. Let me read to you uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. I'm going to hang this scripture over our time together. So turn there in your Bibles if you can. Matthew chapter 7, first book of the New Testament. Of course, chapter 7 is between verses 6 and 8, or of course, if you open up your favorite browser window, type in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. Very famous scripture. Jesus said it this way. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it fell and great was its fall. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing what Jesus is saying here because Jesus is really talking about himself and he's really saying that the key between being wise and being foolish is either if you hear the sayings of Jesus and, do, and you do them, or that's wisdom, or if you hear the sayings of Jesus and you don't do them. So wisdom and folly come down to what do you do with the things that Jesus says? Do you do them or do you not do them? And then he uses the example that the person who hears the sayings of Jesus and does them, that person is like someone who built their house on a strong foundation on a rock, right? So if you build your house on a strong foundation, you're somebody who hears the words of Jesus and does them. Then when all the normal happenings of life happen, here it's described as the rains descends, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. 
So when the normal course of life happens, a lot of winds, excessive flooding, right? All the, the wind beaten, all these different things happen. If your house is built on Jesus by hearing his sayings and doing them, even though that house may be weather beaten, it's gonna stand. But to look at the other side of the coin, if you hear the sayings of Jesus and you don't do them, you're building your house, but you're not building it on a, the rock, the strong foundation. It's Jesus and what he's taught and what he invites us into, but you build it on the sand. And when the same things happen, the, the rains descends, the floodwaters come up, the winds, what happens is, is that house doesn't stand, it falls. And it says, how great is that fall? Now I bring this up because you know, we're in this new year and we're, we see that God is inviting us into this year of restoration. I realize that for many of us and in many situations, the foundation didn't hold so well of our lives through all that we've got, been going through, right? And I'm not saying this to bring judgment. It's like, I had to check this foundation on stuff over this past year. There were things that went on and I was just like, man, like I have to like, is this thing gonna make it? Like, is this gonna be okay? And yeah, things got pretty weather beaten. And so I always think it's important that to make sure that what we're building, we're building it on the, the rock, on the foundation. And as a church family, we have a foundation for who we are, for why we do what we do, what we care about. Now, I'm not saying that our foundation, our mission and our vision, I'm not saying that that is like, it's the only way to do it, but this is the foundation that God has given us. And so we're gonna spend some time today looking at the the sure foundation of the mission and vision of the Crossroads family. Now, I bring this up because in a lot of ways, the mission and vision that we have is a mission and vision that I think that you should want for your own life as well. So is it just like for the church? I think that everything that we talk about, we should say, this actually is the vision that we should have for our own lives. And in a lot of ways, I've been talking about this mission and vision for eight years here at Crossroads. I've been here for almost a decade, but you know, when I assume the leadership from our founding pastor, Pastor Bill Ritchie. You know, we articulated our mission and vision. And in a lot of ways, I had to look at what is, who has Crossroads always been? How has God always used us as a church for our entire history, long before I got here? And then Lord, what is it that you want to do? And we spent a lot of time kind of praying through this. And so if you've been around Crossroads for a while, you've heard the mission and the vision a lot. Now you might be saying, well, so Fusco, yeah, I mean, I mean, you've been talking about this for eight years. You always talk about this. Why are we going over this again? Well, here's why. Because a lot of times the growth that God wants to do in our life is not us hearing something new. It's us hearing something that we already know, but saying, Lord, am I really hearing it? And what did Jesus say? Doing it. I love that. Am I the only one who's heard things for a long time and never done them? Like, you know you're supposed to do it, but you're like, I know that, but you don't actually do it. And in a lot of ways, I think what God wants to do for all of us is he wants us to hear these things. And if you've been hearing them for years, I want you to say, Lord, how can I actually do this? Because in a lot of ways as a church family, many people are doing parts of it, but I don't know that all of us are doing all of it. And I realize that there are some of you, you've been around Crossroads for longer than I've been here, way longer than I've been here. And there's others of you, you're brand new and you're just kidding and you're saying, okay, what is this church all about? Well, I'm so happy you asked. So let's just jump on into this. The, the foundation of the Crossroads family. First, you and I, our total mission is to simply respond to Jesus. It's just who we are. We want to simply respond to Jesus. Now, I love this because really what I believe is that the Christian life is that. 
It's just simply responding to Jesus. See, most of us, we live our lives reacting to things, right? Like something goes on and we react to it. But Jesus actually had all these things going on, but Jesus never just reacted to it with his natural inclinations. Jesus always responded to the reality of his father. That's why he always did the things that pleased his father. I like to say that Jesus likes to take our natural reactions and transform them into biblical responses. That's what discipleship is. And so we want to learn how to simply respond to Jesus. And really what that means is that Jesus is always inviting us. He is always inviting us into the work that he's doing, into life in his, in his kingdom, into life in the spirit. He's always inviting us to move from where we are to the next step, that we're all in process, that we're all growing. And because of that, there's never a time when Jesus isn't saying, hey, listen, I want you to take a fresh step here. I want you to do something different here because as much as we've grown, there's still so much more to learn. As I like, I've said it a million times that I'm grateful that I'm not what I used to be and also that I'm not what I'm gonna be, but today's the day to take a step in the right direction. See, God's doing a work. And so when you simply respond to Jesus, you're simply taking the next step in the journey. I think it was the writer, uh, John Steinbeck, who said that in every heart, there are layers like an onion and each new layer comes with some fresh tears. That idea of like you're peeling an onion and each time you peel the onion, you know, it's like your, your body reacts to it by, by, te- by tearing up. And I found in the journey of life that whatever God is doing right now, there's a lesson to be learned, but there's always the next layer to get to. Like for Lynn and I and our, and our family, when our kids were little, that was one layer. Now that we have kids who are a little bit older or they're all school age, we have teenagers, that's another thing, right? Uh, you know, there was time when I was in my 20s, I could do whatever I want. My body was just healthy. Now I'm in my mid 40s and it's, I'm like, wow, I didn't realize they get creaky like that. I gotta be careful. I can't eat that. You know, like all of a sudden it's different. It's a new layer. Simply respond. Spiritually speaking, in different areas of my life, God does one work in one area And I have to learn that lesson. But then once that area is done, he's like, okay, here's the next set of stuff I want to do in you. And so the key for us is to never think to ourselves, I got this thing all covered. The key is to say, Jesus got it all covered and I just need to learn how to simply respond to him. So what God always wants to do in all of our lives and our life as a church is to teach us how to continue to simply respond to Jesus. Now I know we always put that word simply in front and I realize that sometimes simply responding to Jesus ain't so simple. And that's true, but it is that simple. Because if he's the Lord, then we say yes to him. Don't, I know that God invites us to do hard things sometimes. There's nothing worse than when you do something, you get in a, a, maybe get in a, a quarrel with somebody and you think that they're wrong, but then the spirit of God says, oh, you know, you're wrong. You're not supposed to handle it that way. And is it fun to have to go and humble yourself and say, man, listen, I'm so sorry. I realized I was just out of line. It was inappropriate. It's not nice of me. I shouldn't have said that. Is that fun? No. Is it simple to do? Actually, it is. If you get over yourself. And so the beauty is, is that it isn't easy, but it is simple. Because Jesus is the Lord and we are not. He is the King of glory and we are not. And we just do what he asks. And every single day of our lives, we're constantly being invited by Jesus to simply respond to him. And of course, as we're doing that, we begin to uncover who we truly are. It says this in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk 
in them. So we are God's work of art. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before the beginning of time that we should walk in those things. And so for each one of us, as we simply respond to Jesus, we begin to uncover the workmanship that we've been created to be in Christ Jesus and the ways that God wants to use us. And those are plans that God had before the foundations of the world. So we, we begin with this idea that we want to simply respond to Jesus. And, and then we move from our vision in, in, into this mission that we have. You know, and, and you've heard this a lot. It's, it's all over our campus. But we don't want these ideas just to be concepts and plaques on walls. We want this to be the very way that we live. And so, of course, if the next step for us is we like to say that because Jesus is real. I love this. Because Jesus is real. We, we ground everything in the why. The reason we simply respond to Jesus is because he's real. I love that idea that Jesus is real because Jesus is alive today. He is at street level where we all live. And all that God wants to do in our life, it's not that we believe fairy tales. I always love it when someone says to me, oh man, you're a Christian. You, I, I didn't know you still believed in fairy tales. I'm like, man, Jesus is alive right now. He's here right now. You know, people just like, they kind of look at you. But when Jesus is real to you, everything makes, it changes everything. And of course, I always think of John chapter one, verse 14, how it says how the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And that's not only true for the apostles 2,000 years ago, but for anybody who is a born again follower of Jesus, Jesus has revealed himself to you as real. And in a sense, he's, dwell, he's dwelling among you and you are beholding his glory right now. That's why it's so important for us to, to, to cultivate that time with Jesus, to see Jesus with fresh eyes, to be aware of the presence of God in our life. Because when you spend time with Jesus and you behold his glory, you begin to realize Jesus is what is really important. I love the fact that lots of things are necessary in life, but man, Jesus is what's, what's really important. And out of the foundation of Jesus being real, all that we are as a church comes to pass. I remember our, our founding pastor, Bill Ritchie, when I first got here to Crossroads, you know, we were talking about the history of Crossroads and things that had gone on. And he's like, he's like, you know, Daniel, I can't take credit for any of this. Crossroads is Jesus's fault. And I started cracking it. It was just a great line because, but really what he's saying is that, listen, Everything that happened here had nothing to do with me. I mean, I got to be there, but it's really Jesus's fault. And in a lot of ways, that's not like an excuse. That's Bill understanding how these things really happen. And in a lot of ways, I want your life to look that way, that you live your life in such a way, it, because Jesus is at street level and because you're simply responding to him, that literally you could say, oh man, my life, like what's all this stuff that's going on? It's extraordinary, but I didn't do any of it. It's Jesus's fault. I just said yes to Jesus. Jesus said, hey, I want you to do this. Okay, let's do that. Jesus said, hey, hey, I, I want you to be involved in this. And you said, okay. See, we know that the, uh, John the Baptist said, John chapter three, that he must increase and I must decrease. And in a lot of ways, that same Jesus getting, being exalted and us being diminished is, is what happens when you simply respond to Jesus. Because if you don't simply respond to Jesus, you simply respond to whatever you want or whatever the people around you want. 
But when you're simply responding to Jesus, you're like, no, whatever Jesus' will is. And because he's real, he's inviting you in. And now before you know it, Jesus is increasing and we're decreasing. And because Jesus is real, we like to say that we are a family of faith who is fully engaged. And as a church family, we realize that God invites us to Jesus to be saved. And once we are saved, he ushers us out of our sinfulness and into newness of life. But that newness of life is also a part of a community. And not just any old community, like you live in a neighborhood, but a family of faith. All through the scriptures, there's brother and sister language. There's exhort older men as fathers. Older women as mothers. See, the Bible is full of family metaphors. Now, I know this can be challenging because for some of us, our, our, our families weren't great or it was really, really bad. But really, because Jesus is real and he is the head of the, the body and we are body parts and we're all, we're connected to the head, now we're connected to one another. God wants us to see the church as a family, but, but what draws us together is our faith in Jesus. And because we're part of a family, now all of a sudden, now we all get fully engaged, which means every single part of the family has a role to play. Now, I love this because First, what it reminds me of always is the fact that it's not my job to play every role in the family. And I think that that's awesome. Because I think sometimes as it relates to church, some of us think it's my job to do everything. Or sometimes people come and talk to me and they'll say, hey, Pastor, so what about this thing that that we're doing as a church? I'm like, I don't know anything about it. What do you mean you don't know everything about it? You're the lead pastor. I'm like, man, I don't have a clue what's going on in certain areas. They don't, they're not coming asking me because we all have roles to play and I don't want to be the limiting factor for what God is doing at Crossroads, what I can keep in my head. I don't understand lots of things that go on. That's okay. Why? Because God doesn't want one of us to do everything. He wants all of us to do what he's asking us to do. I said we all bring the gifts and the talents and the passions and we bring them all together and that is the total work of the family. It's like me growing up. I, I'm like, I have such great memories of growing up. My family was crazy. Like, but good, like crazy, crazy, but good crazy. I mean, some of it all wasn't good, but, but it was like, it was just big and loud and everybody did their thing. And I, and I never forget it. You know, I remember when my mother was sick I was in my, uh, my late teens and my mother had cancer. And I'll never forget this. I have a beloved, my uncle Sonny and my aunt Francine. And, and they lived in, in Staten Island in New York. And I remember my mom had to start uh, cancer treatments and my dad was traveling for work and we had a snowstorm. And I remember that my, we weren't gonna be able to bring my mom to the treatment, but she needed to get to the treatment. And sure enough, my uncle Sonny shows up in like an SUV. It was like, you know, before they even had a lot of SUVs. He showed up in this SUV and it was like, and he just showed up and he had bagels and cannolis. Like literally he knocks on the door and I'm like, Uncle Sonny, what are you doing? He's like, here, here's bagels, here's cannolis. Where's your mom? We got to get her to treatment. Jesus is real. Thanks for staying with us today as Pastor Daniel continued the restoration series by encouraging you to simply respond to Jesus. God is constantly inviting you to be a part of the things he's doing. You have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus and join him in the amazing things he's got in store. Then, as you simply respond to him, you'll find that you become more and more fully engaged with Jesus and your faith family. 
Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more about what it means to be a family of faith, fully engaged in what the Lord is doing. You'll be reminded that transformed people move out into the world, impacting the people around them and changing their communities. Pastor Daniel will encourage you to remember that Jesus is real. You can trust that he'll be with you every step of the way. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Restoration. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.